0: Y'all, we better be careful now. You start saying all things, singing all things are possible and praying for a God of revival to revive you and your city. Got to be careful what you sing, right? Because if we mean that from our hearts, we believe that God can do that. Amen? Like, I hope that's where our hearts are. I hope your heart is stirred this morning and ready to receive the word of God. So let's pray that's the case. Pray with me now. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to gather. Bless us now, Lord, as we open your word. Thank you, God, that we got to sing out praises. I pray that they come from our heart. I pray that we will believe, for some of us, that we will believe again again that you are the God of the impossible, that you are the God of revival, that God, you will stir in our hearts again that your word might be magnified. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and your grace. Amen. Listen, when I was, uh, I was in middle school, I was in young middle school, like sixth grade or so, and I really wanted to be in gifted and talented. How many of y'all had gifted and talented back in the day? All you old people like me. Raise your hand. See, nobody wants to raise your hand. we got a couple of old people in here like me. Listen, you wanted to be in gifted and talented. Now my wife tells me, I think it's just called gifted or whatever. But back in the day, you wanted to be in gifted and talented. And I remember looking at this group and thinking, man, I wish I could be in that. I wish I was one of the smart kids, one of the cool kids. And they would go out of the class. They'd get pulled out of class at different times during during the day or the week or month or however often they met. And I could just always remember feeling like, Man, I was missing out. Like, they're going off for pizza parties and ice cream parties and all this stuff. And I think that probably happened like once a year. But I imagined it happened every time they went out. And so I was like, I want to be in that group. And finally, it happened. In my seventh grade year, one of my teachers issued a decree or whatever happened. I don't know exactly how it happened. But said that I could be a gifted and talented. Now, it wasn't because of my grades, y'all. It was because I could sing, and so my choir teacher said, you can be in gifted and talented. You have this gift, and so you can go and be in this group. And, y'all, I didn't even care how I got in. i was like, I'm going to be a dummy up in here with all these smart people. It'll be fine. But, I'm man, ice cream, parties, pizza, Well, it turned out, right, that wasn't what it was. It was much more boring than I thought it was going to be. But the other thing that it really showed me was as I was around all these other kids, I was like, well, I mean, they're smart, I guess. But they're not that much smarter than me, right? They're just regular kids like me. And so I came away from that understanding that, yeah, you know, we all had gifts, we all had talents. They may have been a little smarter than me or whatever, but we all had our role to play, right? And this is an important aspect of what we are digging into this series I'm calling Gifted and Talented, is that the Lord has given to each of us a gifting. He's given to each of us talents that he means for us to use for his kingdom, What we aren't allowed to do with those gifts and those talents is leave them sitting on the sideline like far too many people in churches are doing today. Some in this church, but in churches all across the country and the world, people are sitting on the sideline rather than finding a way to use the unique gifting that God has given you, the unique talents that God has given you to his glory and his service, and you might think you don't have gifts and talents. You might think you aren't qualified, but I'm telling you this morning, you very much are. There is a role for each of us to play in the kingdom work that God has set before all of us. From the youngest person in this room to the oldest, God has a role and a plan and a purpose for us. And every single role in the church, now listen, every single role in the church matters for the greater good. My role, because I get to stand up here on this stage every Sunday, is not more important than the role of the person who set up these chairs, of the person who made sure this building was clean. Of the person who set up our coffee area, of the person who greeted when we came in, of the person who's serving right now by blessing the babies in our church, in our Galilee nest nursery. Because it takes every single one of us to be a part of this greater good and this greater purpose that we've all been called to, which is listen, y'all, set the table for disciple making. Because without all of those aspects coming together, because look, you might think I'm paying lip service, but I'm not. I'm, I'm not paying lip service to those other roles. Every single one of them matter, and they matter significantly, because they are all a part of the ultimate purpose. This thing doesn't work without us all working together. And that's not my idea, right? The Apostle Paul really teaches this even to the church in Rome. Listen to what he says. Romans chapter 12, three through eight. Listen to what he says. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, this is everybody, every one of you means all of us. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Now, this is him beginning a lesson on it taking everybody by helping us understand a simple foundational truth about serving in the kingdom of God, serving right now in his church. It begins with a mentality and a heart of saying, I will do Lord, whatever you need me and want me to do, period. Like it has to start from a place of humble service. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. That was kind of how I opened just a moment ago by reminding you that this role that I get right here is not more important than all the other roles. They all matter. They're all acts and works of service. Verse four, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. That's Paul's way of saying, you got a body, It's got different parts for it to work in its best way. You need all the parts working together. And what I didn't read for you was Romans 12, verse 1. Listen to this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, that's pretty inclusive, y'all, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. When we come to Christ, we are saying, Lord, I am yours to do what you want with. And we know this in our head, but when it comes to putting it into action, sometimes we struggle to actually find our spot, to get plugged in in the way that the Lord wants us to do, to get in the game, to get in the fight. But every one of us need to do just that. So when Paul says this idea of you got many members, different parts, but all one function, what's your function? To be a part of the body of Christ and to serve the church. To do the work that he's called you to do. And I'm not just talking about in this, you know, Galilee Christian church. Yes, it starts there in many ways. But the church's mission as a whole. To make disciples, right? So it says, so in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Now, this is hard in our individualistic society to say, look, you belong to me, I belong to you. We're in this together. We work together to the greater good and the glory of God. That's, that has to be the mentality. That's a surrendering of the self for the greater good that God has called us to. Verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Now that list is not an exhaustive list, but it's pretty, pretty long. Of course, there's many other things that could be on it, but the idea is a simple one. Whatever you have been called to do, <laughs> and you've not been called to do nothing, so whatever you've been called to do, you do it. For the glory of God and the greater good, or guess what? The body doesn't function as it should. So this is a critical reminder that I'm giving to us today for you individually and us collectively. I know that our church, our community will be more effective when we are all truly in this together, working together, everybody finding their place from the youngest student in our, in our church to the oldest senior, everybody finding their place and saying, how can I get involved? How can I serve? It doesn't mean you're necessarily serving every Sunday, right? I mean, it doesn't mean you're necessarily serving every moment the doors are open, right? You're probably not. Ideally, you aren't because everybody's involved, everybody's serving. You know, there's all these cliches in the church about, you know, 20% of people doing 100% of the work and people talk to me all the time about, oh, we got to get more people to serve or why aren't more people doing this or that? Look, let, let make sure you hear me saying this. We have a lot of people in our church who are serving. They are. Praise God for you. You deserve to be praised for that. And one of the things that people don't always realize is because we do try to spread out that service for a very practical reason, right? Just we don't want to crush our volunteers. We want to not make it so terribly taxing but really create opportunities for a lot of different people to serve. People sometimes think, well, maybe not many people are not serving. No, we got a lot of people serving, but because we spread that load, we need even more to help do exactly that. But that's why there is a role for everyone. No matter what it is you are called to do, you are called to do something. And it begins with how I have begun this message with a heart for service. Lord Jesus, use me however you want. I may not feel like I'm talented enough. I may not feel like I can do this or that. I may not know exactly how to get connected and so I'm a little nervous about it. But look, here's the good news. Anybody can use a toilet brush. They can. Yeah, that's my first point. First time I've ever had that as a point in a sermon. I don't know why. But it's really true. There's always a spot. There's always a place. There's always something I can, we can do. Remember what verse 5 said in Romans 12? For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Some of y'all are sitting on the sidelines and say, Well, I haven't quite, quite found the thing that's perfect for me. And, you know, it absolutely brings in line every single one of my gifts. And when it does, then I will do it. You know, listen, anybody can use a toilet, brush. there is something for you to be doing. It says, Rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith has, that God has given you. When you have big faith, you are a big servant. You have a big service mentality when your faith is big. When your faith is small, you oftentimes are saying, who's gonna serve me? It's just true. When your faith gets big, you're saying, who can I serve? So hey, you wanna see your faith grow? Most Christians in this room do. If you want to see your faith grow, then you take up a mentality that says, I'm going to have big faith. And I know when I have big faith, that comes with a mentality of big service. And so I'll find a spot, Lord, wherever it is, just put me in the game. I don't care what it takes to get on the court. I'm just going to go. Put me in the game. Yes, we want you to find your unique area of passion and service and find that area that you're deeply passionate about because when you do, you will serve with more passion and that's a good thing. We want that. But the bottom line is we got to serve where we are needed. Look, if I'm standing in front of a dam that's holding back a torrent of water that might crush people beneath it, And somebody says to me, I can put my hand right here and stop that from happening. And I say, well, you know, I'm not really in the whole damn blocking business. Like, I'm not really gifted to do that. It's not really my role. I'm going to wait for somebody who's more of a professional to come along. Of course not. I know it's kind of a silly analogy, but I'm going to do that thing. Whatever that simple task is, if it's needed, let's get after it. Whatever it is that God needs in his church, let's be people that are about it. Lots of people get involved in a church or they start to come to a church. And this may be some of you right now. And listen, make sure you hear me saying this too. We are so glad you are here. And we don't expect you to walk in the door the first time and like, you know, here's a toilet brush, get to work. Right? We're not, we're not saying that. But we do want to build a church culture that serves This is not a church where we're gonna encourage you to just sit on the sideline forever. So I I love you, but this ain't the church for you if that's your mindset. I, I love you. The Lord loves you. And he and I want better for you than that. Because one of the things we hear lots of times, people are saying, well, I don't really know anybody. I've not really made any connections at the church. If you wanna know people and you wanna make connections at the church, you know what the number one way to do that is? You might've guessed. It's service because when you serve alongside somebody else, you naturally build relationships and make connections that you will not make sitting in these chairs and eventually pews and wherever we are sitting. You just, you just won't. But when you get involved and serve, man, you will grow relationships beyond your expectations. Some people will say about service in the church, well, like I told you earlier, well, I don't really feel led to that. I'm not really sure I feel led to that. Nobody feels led to cleaning toilets, but that's the kind of thing that's gotta get done. Now, I'm just using that as an example, right? Whatever the job is, it's gotta get done. And so we should all take up the mentality that says, hey, let's get after it. Because here's what I can tell you. You might look down on somebody cleaning toilets, but I don't. That's one of the most important things we make sure is done on a Sunday. Because I don't want people coming to this house, the Lord's house, and the bathroom being dirty. Look, y'all, you don't want people coming to your house and visiting you and the house being all a mess. You don't want that. If you at your house, if you're expecting guests, if your house is anything like mine, we have five people that live in our house. So it looks like people live there. It just does. I mean, as, as hard as we all work to try to kind of keep it looking good, it looks like people live there. But if you're coming over to my house to visit, we might not do a whole lot of cleaning during the week, but that 10 minutes before y'all get there, <laughs> woo! Man, we, if we just, we like work a miracle how much work we could get done in 10 minutes. You know what I'm talking about. Listen, if I'm expecting guests, I want it to look good. And so it's a ministry to make sure these spaces look good to know that those things are taken care of. So it's not a small thing, it's a big thing. Look, not a lot of people (laughs) feel led to wrangling three-year-olds in the nursery. You might not feel led to that, but I can tell you this, when we have a family that is our guest and comes to our church, we want them to have a well-staffed, loving nursery where their children are going to be excellently, excellently cared for and loved well. That's an expectation we should have for our church. And that only happens when we all work together to see it happen. Okay, Nick. All right. Well, you convinced me. I'm going to, how do I get involved in one of those areas? We are here to help you. I will talk with you. Brennan will talk with you. Ashley will talk with you. You can email us. You can message us. You can Facebook. us. I mean, the excuse of, well, I didn't really know how to talk to him. Now, come on, right? We got all these ways you can reach out and say, I want to get involved. Help me find a place to serve. We will do that. So we're trying to leave you without excuse. No matter how big or no matter how we might think small, it all matters it all makes a difference and you know what listen listen to what luke chapter 16 verse 10 says this is what our lord says whoever can be trusted with small things can also be trusted with big things and it's an important reminder to us that it all matters it all adds up and that ultimately in the work of the kingdom of god there are no small jobs they all matter in the greater plan and the greater good. And, and secondly, listen, we all, as I've laid out, laid out before you, we all have to do our part because we are all a part of the body and all of us collectively form the body that is doing the work that Jesus has left. We are his plan, y'all. The work and the plan that he's left to reach generations with the gospel. Remember what Romans twelve four and 5 says, just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We've got, this is verse six, we have different gifts according to the grace God has given us it takes us all but man when it, when all of us get involved amazing things happen when i was a kid i'm going to date myself again here when i was a kid there was a show on tv called voltron Little voltron fans out there man as a kid and they they came they had, we had the coolest toys in the 80s y'all we just did I mean, your toys cannot compete with ours. They were amazing. We were the age of, you know, G.I. Joe and He-Man and Transformers and all that good stuff. And there were girl toys too, but I didn't play with those. Anyway, so Voltron was awesome. And the cool thing about Voltron and why I wanted it so bad is it had all these different little uh, like robot things. They would come together. When they joined together, they made this big giant robot, Voltron. He was like unstoppable. I wanted so bad to have all of them and put them together together. To have the big, awesome, unconquerable toy, you know, to, to kind of play out that dream in my mind. That's the church, but way cooler and way more powerful. When we all come together, it becomes this awesome, unstoppable force for the goodness and the glory of God to spread not only in this room, not only in this community, but around the world. Y'all, do you believe that? Man, I hope you really believe that and that you see that what we're talking about this morning for you and me matters. It all matters. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. In Christ, we have these many parts, but we come together to do something awesome. And as I've already laid out before you this morning, none of us is more important than the other. So, none of us is going to look down on a role that somebody else is serving in. We're going to celebrate every role here at Galilee because they all add up. Just like you remember that if you didn't have a part of your body, right, you'd feel weaker, you'd feel like something was missing. So, if you've not found your spot yet, we're missing something. We're missing you. And it's true. So ultimately I'm gonna step in. I'm I'm not gonna wait on the sideline waiting for somebody else to fill the role. Look, you know as as well as I do, there are times that we put out a call in our church and we say, hey, we need volunteers for this or we have this service event coming up and people will look at that and they'll say, man, that's awesome. I'm so glad my church is doing that. I'm glad they're putting out the call for that because that needs to be done. I hope somebody signs up for that. I hope somebody else says yes to that. It would be better for me if somebody else said yes to that so I didn't have to. You know it would be awesome? If when you see these needs, when we put out these calls for help, that people were like tripping over each other to get to us, to say, I'll do it. No, I want to help. And we were like having to push you back. Push you back. That'd be a great problem to have. And here's the good news. You're in control of that. You're in control of your yes. So you just have to decide what you're gonna do with this clarion call to doing what the Lord has called us to do as the body of Christ. I'll say again, praise God for all of us, all of you that are already serving. My goal is not to crush you under a weight of guilt and make you feel like if you don't do 15 things, you're not serving. No. I didn't ask you to do that. I don't believe the Lord's asking you to do that. Find your place, your role or roles of service and do them. Just don't do nothing. That's at the heart of this. That's the crux of the message. It's easy to come up with all kinds of reasons to not do a thing. But do you, have you ever thought about the times when you've decided to not do a thing or not commit to a thing that you kind of knew the Lord was calling you to, or you kind of felt like you could have probably helped with, and then you didn't do it. And you'd later realize I probably missed out. Or have you ever thought about all the times you've not thought about that? And think about what you have missed because you weren't willing to give a yes, because you weren't willing to go with it and trust God that he was gonna make something out of it, that he was gonna use you in a way to make an impact that you otherwise were a little scared of or didn't realize could happen. My, my wife will tell you, she is not the fun-loving one. I'm the fun-loving one. She's the more serious one. I mean, she has fun and she's, you know she likes to do fun things, but she's not kind of like the wild and crazy one. She's, not gonna, she's always gonna be a little more careful, a little more cautious about things. And so when we were in San Francisco for spring break this past year, we went there and we went up and we did the, uh, the Redwoods and we did that whole trip with our family. We went into San Francisco and we went up to the big twisty curvy road, whatever it's called, Lombard Street, I think. So we went up there, partially the other way we took a car and then we got out and we walked the rest of it. But then from the top down, there was a way to take the streetcar, which of course, you know, San Francisco is famous for its streetcars. So we get up there and we're waiting for a while to get on the streetcar to come down. And it's like a 10 or 15 minute wait. We've already been waiting. Finally, a streetcar comes along and we're like, awesome. The only problem is the streetcar is packed. There's so many people on it. Like so many people on it, I just assumed they weren't even gonna let us on it. But instead they're like, cramming, cramming us in there, right? Pushing the kids in and kind of us on the edge. And so then it, it had us all standing on the edge, like with people sitting right in front of us. It's a little bit uncomfortable, but people sitting right in front of us and us holding on to this, you know, pole while this thing is now about to go down these famous hills pretty quickly. And I can look at the look on my wife's face and I just already know. Like I'm surprised she even let us get on to be really honest with you. But here we all are, we're all holding on for dear life, right? And she's kind of doing the motherly hen thing and putting her arm around the kids, making sure none of them go flying, which is nice. And I'm just like, woo you know, I'm a fun-loving one. <laughs> and I'm hanging on and I, I'm dude, I've got a big smile. I'm, this is awesome, right? And we're holding on to the thing. It's not that big a deal. We're going down the hill pretty fast. And I look back and there she is. At first, she's kind of nervous, but by the middle part into this thing, there's, she's smiling, she's happy, she's having fun. And she said later, like, I did not want to do that. But she was so glad we did because we had this great moment as a family. And y'all, that is oftentimes what it's gonna take when we give our yes and say, I don't know how this is gonna go. Lord, I don't know exactly how you're gonna use me or want me to serve, but I'm gonna give you my yes and let's go along for the ride. Hold on tight, buckle up, buddy, and here we go. That's what it's gonna take sometimes. And just think about what you can gain from giving that yes. We have to not, you know, give in to the excuses. But just like with her riding on that streetcar, we understand a couple of things happen. We find out that service is actually a thrill, it's awesome, it's fun. There's lots of laughing. There's joy and memories of having gotten to serve alongside one another and being something, being a part of something bigger than ourselves. Look, y'all, I have visited a lot of seniors in churches over the last 25 years. I've visited them in their homes. I've visited them in nursing homes. I've visited them on deathbeds. And time and time again, these servants of the Lord, these longtime servants of Jesus, they don't tell me stories about sitting and listening to messages. They don't tell me stories about singing songs at church, even though all those things matter. Make sure you hear me saying that, and they matter to them too. You know what stories they tell me? They tell me stories about when they got involved in the Lord's work. They tell me stories about going on mission trips with the church. They tell me stories about bringing food, sometimes lots of food to a church event to bless a lot of other people. They tell me stories about how they served in the nursery and got to watch kids grow up. And that then eventually they were watching the kids of those kids and how awesome it was to see a generational impact of a church. They tell me about how they took teenagers on trips to places all across the country and sometimes the world. They tell me about the times they gave days, weeks, even months to putting on a play in a church because they wanted to be a part of that role of service or singing in a choir or whatever it was, that benefited a greater good. Those are the stories they tell me because those are the things that matter so much and they will matter to us in the years to come. They got in the game and they found out that that's where the real church life abides. And I just don't want you to miss it. Sure, look, we need people to do things that have to be done here at church. But here's one thing I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. I I am not preaching this message just so we can up our volunteerism. I'm not. I'm genuinely not. Because, listen, I know the Lord will provide for what we need. Like, I'm not worried about it. I'm preaching this message because I believe that this is a good thing for your spiritual health. Sure, it's good for us collectively, but for your spiritual health, helping you see the difference you can make in this kingdom work is good for you. And so I'm not gonna deny you these truths. I just won't. I hope that you'll hear it. I hope that you'll find your role. I hope that you will believe that you can be used for this work that God has called us to do. We all have different gifts. According to the grace given to us, the Bible says, Not everybody can do everything, but everybody can do something. So let's get busy, y'all. Time, talent, treasure, let's put it to work for the goodness and the glory of God. Let me ask you a couple of questions as I get ready to close here. Anytime a preacher says he's getting ready to close, that doesn't mean anything. That that could be, I I was getting ready to close when I first started talking this morning. Let me ask you a question. Can you smile and say good morning and hand out a piece of paper? That's not a rhetorical question, can you? Congratulations, you are qualified to be a greeter at Galilee Christian Church. Awesome, right? Easy, anybody can do it. Listen, can you once a month lovingly take care of a child and be sure they do not escape from our campus? Congratulations. You're qualified to work in the nursery. Can you lovingly walk alongside a young student and go with them from station to station in kids' church? Congratulations, you're qualified to work in our kids' ministry. These are all areas, and there are many more, where, yes, we need help. If you can do those things, then you are qualified. Can you study the Word of God and pray and and invite people to a group? You're qualified to be a small group leader here at Galilee and we'll help you get connected in that way too. There's so many opportunities and I've only scratched the surface of them. We want to help you find your place. But listen to me, make sure you hear this. At the heart of all of this is not, as I said, us just increasing our volunteer ism in our church. The thing that has to be foundational, the thing that has to be at the core for every one of us when it comes to serving in this kingdom work at Galilee is we have to know and understand our why. Your why will define and dictate how and what you actually do when you know your why, you will do anything for the kingdom of God. And your why and my why as a Christian is supposed to be Jesus. It is, it is Simon Sinek who wrote a book about defining our why, knowing our why. And at the heart of that is that simple idea of when I know why I'm doing a thing, guess what? I'm gonna do that thing with passion, energy, and love. And commitment. My prayer is that you will find your why this morning because when you do, it can and will empower you to make a kingdom impact beyond what you believe you are capable of. And generationally, this church will thrive because of you, because of you and the Lord using you. If you stay on the sideline and deny your yes, the church suffers. The body suffers. And I know none of us want to do that. So I encourage you, find the why, and let's get after it. Let me pray for us.